In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Reformation Day is always a pretty big day for Lutherans, but it doesn't get any bigger than this. 500 years since the nailing of the 95 Theses, it's a big, good day to be a Lutheran. Luther was kind of an unlikely hero, actually. It started out that he wasn't going to be a priest at all. He was slated to be a lawyer. His dad wanted him to be a lawyer, and he was going to law school. But on his way back, he ran into a terrible lightning storm. It was cracking every few seconds around his head, and he knew he was a goner. And he dropped to his knees and prayed to St. Anne, who is the patron saint of all miners. His dad was a copper mine operator. Prayed to St. Anne and said, If you save me, I will become a priest. I will enter the monastery. And he was saved, and Luther kept his part of the bargain. He became a priest. Things would have turned out a lot differently, I think, if that lightning storm hadn't been there. But Luther was a guy, when he got to the monastery, he was a man of deep faith. But the problem for him was that he, he, he just felt the weight of his sin so badly. He wasn't somebody who said, oh, it's no big deal. It was a big deal to him. He was plagued by his sin, and he couldn't seem to get around it. He uh, would do things to try to atone for his sin. He denied himself pleasures like food and things like that. He actually literally whipped himself, trying to whip his body into submission so that it could cleanse his soul. All, he was trying all of this, and none of it worked. He still didn't feel like it was enough. He felt like a guy who was standing there with the Lord's accusing finger pointed right at his chest going, who's going to pay for all this? And he stood there red-faced with his spiritually empty wallet and didn't know who was going to pay for all of that. It just bothered him. It was his, it was his uh, auf Deutsch, his Anfechtung, his struggle that he just couldn't get through. Then he had been assigned to be a professor at the University of Wittenberg, and one of his colleagues and mentors, Staupitz, said to him, Brother Martin, you need to read in the book of Romans, which is our epistle lesson for today. And you need to read the Gospel of John, which is our Gospel lesson for today. You need to read in these two books. Maybe you could find something that would keep your tortured soul from being so tortured. And Martin began to look at these again and tried to in a whole new way. And this time, a lightning bolt did hit him. It was metaphorical, but he, Luther said, it was as if scales fell off my eyes. He was reading from Romans and the Gospel of John, and it went, oh, I get it, I see it. He had his Aufklärung, his enlightenment, his sense of, oh, I should have seen that. His, I could have had a V8. Like, where was my head? He had that moment of clarity, and he saw the gospel message in all of its in all of its purity. He he heard it again, like he hadn't heard it before. But he heard it for the first time that we are justified by grace through faith, and that not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a free gift of God. He heard it like for the first time. And then the gospel lesson for today, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the people reacted and said, well, what do you mean by that? We're descendants of Abraham. What, we've never been slaved to anyone, which is laugh out loud funny, 
Because, I mean, what a sense of historylessness. What about that 300 years you were in captivity in Egypt when Moses finally had to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go? What about being run over by Syria? What about being run over by us, Syria? What about 70 years of captivity in Babylon? What about the Greeks running over you and currently a conquered state of the Roman Empire? What do you mean you think you're free? You've never been slaved to anyone. So that part's funny. But you know, sometimes people, even today, we look at things and we think, oh, well, we're free, when actually we are spiritually captive still. So Jesus said he was the truth, that he is the truth. He's the truth about God. And Luther began to see that, that if you want to know what God's attitude is towards you, that you look at his truth, and his truth is Jesus. That Jesus who did what we needed to do for our salvation. Jesus who shows us what God's attitude is. A lot of people know things about God, but they don't seem to understand that God's attitude towards us is He can't get enough of us. We are part of Him. He is part of us. He cannot not love us. He has to. We're part of Him. It's in His nature. He will do anything up to and including the death of his own son to make sure that we know that that we feel that that we have that truth within us and luther got that and it was and and the world opened up for him at that point and and then he started to think wonder why i didn't get this stuff through the church before where was the church when i was struggling with this and mostly what the church was doing was saying you have to do more good works, and then you'll, you'll be able to get to heaven. And then he started to look around a little bit more, and the thing that really pulled his chain was the sale of indulgences. You've heard about this before. The, an indulgence was an official-looking piece of paper that had the papal seal on it and the Pope's name underneath it. And what you could do is you could buy one of these indulgence papers, and this would get by your dead relatives out of purgatory, whatever that is, not scriptural, and into heaven. That's what it was supposed to do. And the peasants, as we just heard in the video, were so downtrodden, there was, they knew there was nothing in, in this present life that was ever going to be any good. The only hope they had was the life beyond. And so they were going to do whatever they could to help their dead relatives get to that. So they were buying these things. And Luther looked at that and he said, this is the most crass kind of commercialism that I can imagine. He said, this is nothing more than a fundraising technique to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, fleecing the German peasants for that. And uh, he began to see that the church, had, the Christianity had started like this, and now it kind of veered off over here somewhere. That, you know, the history of Christianity, the first three centuries, that Christianity was illegal, suspect, and, you know, they had to hide. Uh, and then, you know, underground churches, and literally underground. And then 313 A.D., Constantine, the emperor, became a Christian. Well, now Christianity is declared legal on the same footing as other religions. Well, that's fine. Then we go a little bit, another 67 years or so, 380, and then Emperor Theodosius says, not only is Christianity legal, but now it's the religion of the land. Wow, that's a big turning point in the Christian faith. Because now Christianity doesn't have to operate through authority, the authority that Jesus showed, like 
countless acts of selfless love to other people, now the church begins to operate out of power because they have political power. Now we've got another thousand years after this, up to 1500, where the church is amassing more and more political power so that by the time of Martin Luther, popes could actually make or break kings and did. The Holy Roman Empire had its own standing army. Holy Roman Empire, holy and empire. Those two words don't go together. That's, you know, jumbo shrimp, stripeless zebras. That's an oxymoron. Uh, you know, those two shouldn't be going together. But it did. And you know, and I know, that anytime the government's part of something, <laughs> it's going to get messed up. And it did. And so by the time of Martin Luther, he was looking at a situation where uh, there was all kinds of government. You couldn't tell where the government stopped and the Christian church began. It was all m mashed up in one, one big thing. And he said, there's, there's stuff that needs to be reformed. So he spoke out against the indulgences. He spoke out against the power and primacy of the Pope. If the Pope can forgive people's sins and not just pronounce forgiveness like we did this morning, that's God's forgiveness. It's not me forgiving anybody. It's pronouncing the forgiveness God already gave to us. If the Pope could run around and forgive somebody, why doesn't he just go out and forgive everybody? Why does he make some people pay for it? So these were the, the main issues, the indulgences and the power and primacy of the Pope. And he wrote 95 statements about it. And he put them up on the Wittenberg church door. Those statements are on the back windows now in the church. You can read them if you want to to see what Martin Luther wrote. They're all strung out across the back windows. And these said the things that Luther thought about the church. He put them up on the Wittenberg church door. That's where you put stuff if you want to discuss in public. They didn't have internet and, and Facebook and Snapchat and stuff like that. People began reading it, those who could read, and it wasn't many, because most people could not read. They began reading it, and, and the fire was kindled, and people said, yeah, you know what? I think Luther's right. This is crazy stuff, this indulgences and everything else. And so then the fire was lit. He was eventually, uh, initially they just ignored him, because who cares about some crazy monk in northern Germany? That's a long way from Rome. And the Pope had a war going on in Europe, and he couldn't be bothered with that. Well, finally, it got to the point where they did you know, hear about it, and so they sent Johann Eck uh, as a legate from the Pope to, to, uh, to argue, to discuss, to debate with Luther, which was a bad idea on their part. Luther was a really bright guy and an excellent orator, and he kicked Eck's hind end on this debate. And when it was all done, then nobody thought anything different about what they had before, that Luther was right. Then finally he was called to a diet, a, which is a council, at the city of Worms. Now when I was in confirmation class, I thought Luther at the diet of Worms meant that he was just eating night crawlers for a period of time. That's not what this is. He, it, it's, it's a council at a city named Worms. He was given free passage. He went there and they said to him, Luther, are these your writings? They had his writings on the table. He said, yes, they are. Are you willing to take them back, to recant them? He said, can I have a night to think about it? And they said, yeah, you may. Came back the next day and they said, are those your writings? Yes. Are you ready to recant them? He said, my conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. God help me. Amen. Sounds better in German. 
Hier stehe ich, ich kann nicht anders. Gott hilfe mir, Amen. Doesn't that sound like you mean it? Either that or like you're coughing up a hairball. But he said that, and then that was it. And then he took off. He was kidnapped and taken to the Wartburg so he could do a lot of writing in 1520. But after this point, uh, Luther was an outlaw and a heretic. But that's, that's the Reformation background. Now, the question is, so what does that mean today? We've had 500 years of this. Where does that put us as Lutherans? And one thing is, um, I was reading uh, Mark Dyer, Anglican bishop, said uh, in a writing a while back, he said, it seems like in the Christian church, about every 500 years, we have to have a giant garage sale. And I'm wondering if this now isn't the time of another giant garage sale. Have you noticed that things aren't the same in the Christian church as when you grew up, some of you? Is it something that we should be looking at? Are there things that we need to reform? Have we become part of crass commercialism when people are seeking genuine, authentic relationship? Good question for 500 years in the Reformation. But basically, when we look at this, we say, what does it mean to be a Lutheran today? And I think we can look at it kind of like the, the five rafters in this church, that this is the things that support Lutheranism. The first one would be uh, sola scriptura in Latin, which means scripture alone. Lutherans teach that scripture alone is the authority of our faith and life. Not scripture plus tradition, scripture plus whatever the church says. Scripture alone. And if you don't understand that part of scripture, you go to another part of scripture that's clearer and you look at the passage in the light of that. The second thing is sola Christus, Christ alone. Christ's salvation, Christ's saving work is all we need. We don't need anything else for our salvation. It is Christ alone. The third one is sola gratia, grace alone. There is nothing we bring to the table to affect our salvation. It's pure, undeserved, unmerited regard and grace. That's the only thing we have. And the fourth is sola fides, faith alone. Not faith plus good works, not faith plus anything else. The Lord doesn't need our good works. Good works are for the neighbor. Just faith alone. And finally, the fifth one is the freedom to love. So that's where we look at what our good works can do. Our good works are for the neighbor. We are free to love and to serve our neighbor. That when we understand the grace that we have been forgiven, that is going to spill out onto other people. That's going to pour out onto them too by what we do for and with them. So that's what it means to be a Lutheran, that we hold those beliefs. We teach those anyway. I don't know what we hold. We teach those. So we have 500 years since the Reformation. And we celebrate today that we have some good things to add to the Christian church. We have some emphasis that are good for the Christian church and maybe we ought to tell people about them. And we celebrate the fact that God sent a man of courage and a man of faith 500 years ago, Martin Luther. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.